It is officially day 21 with no sports. However, the commissioner, the so-called commissioner of Major League Baseball dropped a bombshell today or yesterday uh, regarding some marquee suspensions and how they might be affected should the season get canceled. And let me tell you, it's a doozy. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, to this installment of the Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast. I am Joe Butter. I'm the host of the show, the only one talking. I still have yet to entertain my first guest, but it's in the works. It's coming soon. Uh, The whole quarantine and coronavirus and self-isolation, all that nonsense has really thrown it into, thrown everybody's schedules into, you know, a big pile of shit. So nobody really knows what anybody is doing and when they can do it and all of that fun stuff. So it's kind of hard to get together with a guest right now, but I'm working on it and hopefully it's going to happen soon. But anyways, let's get into what I teased as we opened up the show. Um, Rob Manfred, the worst commissioner in sports, dropped a bombshell on us yesterday saying that should the 2020 Major League Baseball season be canceled in its entirety, Astros head uh, manager, AJ Hinch, Astros general manager will see their suspensions go through and they'd be ready to come back in 2021. That's a load of bullshit. I mean, I understand the the wording of it. He said that it wasn't a, a suspension based on amount of games played. It was a sp- suspension based on a moment, a duration of time that they would be reinstated at the conclusion of the 2020 World Series. Okay. My argument is if should the 2020 season gets canceled, there will not be a 2020 World Series. So when would they be reinstated? That That's just bullshit to me. I mean, talk about your absolute letting – one of the worst scandals in baseball history, just letting them off the hook with nothing. Honestly, not even a slap on the wrist at this point. I mean, it's possible that they might not suffer anything at all. They could go the entire 2020 season. The whole thing could get canceled. No players got suspended. A coach and a GM got fired, which that sucks for them. I guess they lost their job, deservedly so, for what they did. But... They can go get another job now and really not miss a game. They didn't miss anything. It's ridiculous. I don't understand it. It's uh, it's just further proving the point that Rob Manfred is completely clueless and has no idea what he's doing and should never be allowed to be in charge of a sport of any kind. I wouldn't want him running my three-year-old softball welcome to you know life outside the playground like league can't even handle that. I think he can handle major league baseball bullshit. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, uh, the big blue pinstripes podcast, trying to get back into the flow of things. It's kind of hard to do with no sports. Uh, it's kind of hard to find things to talk about. So I'm kind of scrambling every week to come up with some topics. Um, thank you, Rob Manfred for being a clueless fucking dipshit that keeps giving me content and giving me things to talk about. I mean, we're going to figure out a way to make it work. I'm going to figure out a way to make, 
an episode every week. Uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast channel, is a little dry right now. Uh, there's just no action. It's it's hard, especially that I'm using that for like rapid reactions to specific things. It would be great today. Was supposed to be the home opener for the Yankees. Uh, the NFL offseason is still kind of going as normal uh, other than the fact that teams that are drafting players aren't allowed to meet them face to face they're meeting them over Skype other than that everything on that end seems to be rolling as it would have should coronavirus never existed Um, but like I said it's hard it's becoming harder and harder to just find things to talk about so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to power through it if episodes are a little shorter I apologize Uh, real quick I I do want to kind of pimp our other show uh buddy slash brother-in-law of mine aaron bonchalk uh we started a new show that debuted this week uh called views from the nosebleeds just two buddies talking talking smack basically for an hour a week uh talking all things sports no specific teams not you know specific to fantasy or anything like that no sport in particular just sports in general um any any type of popular stories we see any type of hot stories we see we're just talking about it so go ahead and check that out right now it's pretty much everywhere um views from the nosebleeds we should have another episode coming out in the next couple days so go ahead and subscribe to that and give it a listen it's a lot of fun we got some pretty good feedback on the first episode so looking forward to really getting that thing flowing anyways just back to the astros i mean it's and I, I I said in a couple episodes ago when I I basically went on a forty five minute rant about the Astros like I didn't want to talk about this again, but as of right now it's the only thing there is to talk about. There's nothing going on in the baseball world. There's nothing going on really in any sports world except for the approaching NFL draft, which we don't even know what's going to happen with that. The NFL is getting a lot of shit for continuing it, so who knows? Maybe they'll cancel that last minute. It's there's nothing to talk about right now. The Astros are put back in the forefront of sporting news because basically the commissioner is a clueless dipshit, like I said before, and can't run a sport and basically is going to let them off the hook. It's ridiculous. I mean, they they won a World Series by completely cheating. And it's the one thing everybody said is that it's, you know, it's no worse than the steroids. It is worse than the steroids. It's 100% worse than the steroids because the steroids, like, they didn't know what was coming. They didn't – all they did was make themselves stronger, and it gave them the ability to get back from injuries quicker. And it is cheating. I Like, I'm not saying that it's not cheating. I'm not disregarding the fact. I'm not belittling the fact that these people – these guys cheated. What I am saying is that they didn't gain a – competitive advantage over their opponents they really didn't i mean they got stronger sure that in baseball that really doesn't make you better it really doesn't i mean the guys that were on steroids were good to begin with and we knew that because we saw them play pre-steroids and they were just as good it may have helped them last a little bit longer may have helped them play a few extra games because they didn't get hurt as easily or they were able to rehab quicker but they didn't gain a, a legitimate competitive advantage over the pitcher on the mound. You know what I mean? They didn't they didn't know what was coming. Knowing what is coming? I mean, that's basically the worst way to cheat baseball. I mean, that's playing PS4 with your buddy and you're watching the buttons that he presses on his controller to see what pitch he's throwing. I mean, it's 
it's it's immature it's childish it's ridiculous i mean that's pathetic and the one that's talking the most shit that's giving the peers his peers his fellow players the most shit carlos correa was one of the worst on the team that year like he didn't even benefit from it he didn't even play well he was sitting under 250 and he knew what pitches were coming and I was high on the Carlos Correa train for a while, thinking he was, you know, the next great thing, the next A-Rod. This dude sucks. I mean, there's no way around it now. I mean, he couldn't even play well when he cheated. Jose Altuve was, you know, stolen MVP from Aaron Judge, and he cheated. I mean, their best player was still not the best player in the league when he was cheating. I mean, you take that World Series away, you take that cheating away, they're average. They're average. I mean, they might be a 91 team. I mean, they're not average. They're good, but they're not They're not winning 104 games every year. That shit ain't happening. No chance. No chance they beat the Yankees in seven. Absolutely no chance. No chance they beat the, the Red Sox the next year. No chance. No chance they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. That's just not happening. It's pathetic. It, it's really pathetic. And I... Every every time that guy speaks, man, every time Rob Manfred comes out and says anything, it's just, oh my God, I want to reach the TV screen and punch him in the face. I want to reach through my phone on Twitter and just punch his, punch him in the face. It's so bad. I don't understand how he has control of anything, how he has control of an entire sport. I don't get it. I really, really don't. Um, On the other side of it, the fact that they're even considering the fact that the 2020 season may not be played is, I mean, that's punishment in itself for the fans. I mean, that's miserable. I mean, we're not even going to get to watch a baseball game this year. That's absolutely miserable. I don't, I don't even want to think about that. I mean, they're talking about basketball, not playing baseball. Like this is ridiculous. This fucking virus. I don't, if people would just stay in their fucking houses for two weeks just suck it up. I mean, it's hard. It sucks. Trust me. I've been home for three weeks now. I've been working from home. I got two kids that are under the age of four. Like, it's not fun. Not saying that I don't like my kids. I love my kids more than anything in the world. My kids and my wife are above everything else, above every sport, above anything. It's hard being home all day, being stuck in a house and you literally can't go anywhere. It's actually really hard. But, if we all as a nation, as a as a planet Earth, just stay in our house for two weeks, this whole shit will go away. I mean, if if everybody self-isolates for two weeks, that, that'll be it. Nobody wants to do it. And all sports fans are suffering from it because we're not getting to watch anything. And that's awful. But, you know, it is what it is. As you could tell, there's not a whole lot going on. Um, it's pretty slow right now. So one thing I kind of thought about, I might do, um, I've been seeing this on Twitter a lot because really there's nothing else to talk about and everybody's trying to find ways to entertain each other, entertain themselves. So I've been seeing a lot of, you know, your, your favorite player from this generation, the best player at this position, the best player here, build the perfect lineup, uh, the, with the starting pitcher, Build this, build that. Who's the best? This team, that team, the 98 Yankees, the 23 Yankees, or 27 Yankees. You know, like 
what team's the best, the 95 Mariners. Things like that are the uh, the 2001 Mariners, too. We're stupid. Mariners don't have any hardware to you know show for it, but they were pretty damn good teams. Um, the one thing that I was looking at was I was trying to come up with my best, my favorite, not necessarily favorite, but in my opinion, the best players at each position. Granted, I was born in 1990, so I have a smaller group of players to work with because like I, I, I you know, I want to say like, Oh look, Babe Ruth here, Mickey Mantle there, Ted Williams here, uh, Willie Mays there. Sure. The greatness. I, I understand it. I know about it. I get it. I see, you know, a highlight here and there. I never watched them play. I never watched them play. So it's hard to say that it's hard for me to say whether or not Mickey Mantle is better than Mike Trout. I have no idea. I've never seen Mickey Mantle play. I've seen, you know, highlights of him. But if you see highlights of everybody, I mean, a highlight can make Chuck Knobloch look like a superstar. I mean, highlights make everybody look good. Everybody has a highlight. So, so it's, I, I kind of base it off of the players that I've seen. So, again, I'm really bored. Really, really bored. So, this is kind of what I came up with. The the best pitchers that I've ever seen throw a baseball, and there was some tough. This was a tough, probably the toughest position to choose because, frankly, there's just so many. Uh, but honestly, the best pitcher I've ever seen throw a ball is Clayton Kershaw. I mean, Pedro Martinez is up there. Randy Johnson's up there. Roger Clemens is up there. Greg Maddox is up there. Uh, John Smoltz, Mariano, obviously. Um, Clayton Kershaw is just what he was when he's healthy, what he does on the mound and save your bullshit playoff performances. Keep that to yourself. First of all, he wins. He wins. I don't remember what game it was. Game five, I think of the 2017 world series that they lost. He threw, who was it that did the ESPN report where they watched all of his curveballs? He threw like 52 curveballs and there wasn't a single swing and miss by the Astros because he knew it was coming. And take that away. He wins the World Series in 2017. This whole narrative of him sucking in the playoffs is gone. The whole narrative of A-Rod sucking in the playoffs stopped in 2009 when he single-handedly carried them to the World Series. It all stopped. He sucked from 1996 to 2008. He was garbage in the playoffs. 2009, he basically single-handedly took the Yankees to the World Series. That narrative's gone. So I don't want to hear it. Um... Clayton Kershaw just what he did on the mound is absolutely, absolutely absurd. I mean, he's just so, so dominant. And probably, I mean, he won three Cy Youngs, uh, MVP. He probably could have won five Cy Youngs. It's just, it's it it almost gets to a point where you're tired of giving it to him. It, you know, it's like LeBron James in the NBA. I mean, he's won four MVPs. He probably should have nine. I mean, it's honestly, I'm not just exaggerating. Like, if the if the award goes to the best player in the league, he's the best. He's been in the best player in the league since two thousand five. Okay, like it's not like like you get to a point where you get tired of giving it to him. Same thing with Kershaw. You get you get to a point where you get tired of giving it to him. Um, but yeah, he's the best I've ever seen. It's and it's really like it's not. I mean, it's close. I mean, I watched Pedro. You know, 
Pedro's 2000, pretty much from 99 to 2003, was just absurd. Absolutely absurd. But, you know, the things that Clayton Kershaw did, I mean, last year, last year he had, frankly, what everybody thinks, everybody's saying that that was his downfall, that, you know, he's on the way out. That's it. He's done. He had 3.1 ERA. 3.1. And people are saying that he's done. Like he's, he's, he can't pitch anymore. 3.1. It's ridiculous. I mean, that, if that's him, his, I can't pitch anymore. ERA best pitcher in history. I mean, when he's good, he's a 1.6 ERA pitcher and that should not happen. I mean, you might bump that up a notch or two in the AL, but not much. I mean, dude's good. So he ain't bumping it up very much. Anyway, best catcher I've seen. This one was pretty tough too. Um, this one was tough. I mean, there's a lot of good names. Um, Yvonne Rodriguez is, is tough to argue against. Uh, Mike Piazza, what he did at the plate, kind of revolutionizing the position offensively. Um, I mean, it was it was tough. Joe Maurer, when he was in his prime, he was as pure as it gets from you know behind the plate offensively defensively he's just like he wasn't a power hitter where a lot of the good offensive catchers are power hitters like you pretty much have power hitters and then you have nine hole hitters that don't give you much but they're excellent defenders i'm looking at you jose molina um yadi 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 is excellent yadi's great gary is new great not not the best i've seen but he's on his way if his career trajectory continues at this pace, he will be the greatest catcher anybody's ever seen. But I saying no to Yvonne Rodriguez was so tough. I mean, that dude was so gifted behind the plate. I mean, he was so gifted behind the plate defensively, and he wasn't – I don't know if he was ever the best offensive catcher in any year that he played, but he could hold his own. He was good. He was not a liability at the plate. He wasn't, you know, hitting third, but he could hit fifth and sixth and be productive. That's all you need. That's all you need. And behind the plate, he was a wizard. I mean, he was an absolute wizard. He was he was Yachty before Yachty made it cool. You know, Yachty made the position cool. Pudge was the reason why I got there. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like Arnie, Arnie made golf cool. Like he was the one that brought it to the TV. He was the one that made it cool. If it wasn't for him, you know, Jack couldn't have done his thing. Maybe Tiger couldn't have done his thing. Yachty made it cool, but without Pudge, it wouldn't have been able to, like, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Like Pudge was, Pudge was the one that set the table for the position and, you know, everybody wanted to be, I mean, Everybody I played played with as a kid played, you know, Little League Baseball. Everybody that was a catcher idolized that guy. Didn't matter where you were from, you know, what language you spoke, nothing. I mean, everybody wanted to be Pudge. And he had the, he had the best nickname. I mean, what's a better nickname for a catcher than Pudge? Honestly, there's nothing. I mean, that's incredible. The best nickname. Um, all right, so moving right along. First base. This one was... Easy, absolutely the easiest position on the field for me. I mean, besides maybe center field, 
maybe shortstop because everybody knows who my favorite shortstop is going to be or who I think the best shortstop is. Center field was easy. First base was absolutely easy. I mean, Albert Pujols was a freaking god before he hurt his foot. His feet, um, ankles, like the whole base of his swing was affected. And if that didn't happen, I'm thoroughly convinced that he would have broken the home run record. Thoroughly convinced that he would have done it because he was so, so good. And he's he's another one of those guys that like you almost just stopped giving him MVPs because you just got tired of seeing it. I mean, he was so good, so consistent, so dominant, so powerful. He was he hit for average, he hit for power, he could play great defensively. He walked like he wasn't up there hacking, like he was just so good. Best player until Mike Trout came along, he was the best player I've ever I've ever watched. Mike Trout has surpassed that, but up until, you know, 2000, say 15, 14, I mean, Mike Trout really took a stranglehold of the game, you know, 2014-ish. Before then, I mean, Albert Pujols was the best player I've ever watched. Um, So, yeah, that one was easy. I mean, dude was just destroying everybody, everything, was just so dominant, Was and, and it wasn't like – some of these guys come and go. I mean, it was a 10, 12 year run in St. Louis where he was just freakishly dominant. Got to LA and he just wasn't the same. I mean, he hurt his feet, hurt his ankles, hurt his legs. I mean, especially with his swing, it you guys seen his stance, his stance is very, very, very lower body dominant. I mean, it his whole swing, I mean, your swing is supposed to come from your legs, but his the entire process starts at the feet, works its way up. And if he doesn't have that foundation on the ground, then, I mean, he just wasn't the same. He still isn't the same. It's just, it's not coming back. But man, when he was, when he was rolling, it was, it was, it was art. It was beauty. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Um, Second base, this, this one was kind of tough. I mean, there's obviously the Homer pick with, you know, Robinson Cano. Um, He's very smooth easy to watch. I mean, he's just so good when he was rolling. I mean, he should have won an MVP with the Yanks. I mean, he was just one of those guys that just made it look easy. Dustin Pedroia didn't necessarily make it look easy, but he, the similar to when I get to the shortstop position, there's a, there's a different level of, of heart and that dude has it. And there's a reason why Yankee fans hate him so much because he's such a, pest he's so frustrating to play against because he doesn't he's so hard to get out he like he's always in the right spot he knows what he's doing he knows how to play he like he's just he makes all the the plays you're supposed to make he makes them without any issue he makes the plays that you're not supposed to make he's five foot three but he's when he was you know rolling he was dominant at the plate and built for Fenway I mean that he couldn't have found himself in a better park that that green monster and left was just made for him. And, you know, he was fun to watch as, as hard as that's as hard as that is to say, I can't stand him because I hate the Red Sox, but he, he, he was fun to watch and difficult to play against. Um, you know, there's Robbie Alomar and people might give me some flack for this. Ian Kinsler, that dude was damn good when he was healthy and rolling with Texas. Damn good. Um, yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, you can call it a homer pick. You can call it what you want. Robinson Cano, best second baseman I've ever seen. He's just, it's so, he makes it look so easy. That's, that's the separator. Like it's just easy power, easy. He makes plays on the third base side a second. And it looks like he's jogging. It looks like he just flicks, like flicks the wrist and just throws a bullet the first, like under his armpit. He doesn't even have to turn, set his feet. Doesn't do. He basically throws it behind his back. He just makes it look so easy. Um, obviously, he had the 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 tainter of you know a possible steroid issue uh, two years ago. Not really sure what happened, what the story is. I mean, it seems fishy. Who knows? But whatever. I mean, if that was the case in 2018, then that was the case in 2018. Up until then, he was excellent. He was excellent. I mean, he was he made second base a powerful MVP type position. And you know, up until the point where he left the Yankees and went to a ballpark that was a little different, so the power dropped, so he wasn't getting the MVP talk. He was still hitting over 300. He was still hitting doubles. Just because he's not hitting home runs doesn't make him a any lesser of a good ball player. So, now the fact that he's with the Mets just bugs me. I, ugh, it's ugly but whatever um third base this one was tough also this one was very tough there's third base is always been a very deep position so it's hard to find who i think was my favorite slash best i've ever seen nolan arenado right now is incredible i mean you got to give him the asterisk because he plays in Colorado. His offensive numbers are inflated because of that. But as a, a defensive third baseman, you know, between him and, uh, I don't know, Matt Chapman, Adrian Beltre, uh, Cal Ripken, I don't know where you can find a much more impressive defender. I mean, Nolan Arenado might be the best defensive baseball player in, in the league right now of any position. And watching what he can do at third base is pretty incredible. I don't get to see him very much because he plays in Colorado. It's not a team that I'm, I mean, I normally catch it out on, on TV very often, national TV very often. I watched them a lot in the baseball world baseball classic uh, in 2017 because he was basically the cleanup hitter for team USA. He's fun to watch. He's good. It's, it's hard to get a feel for him because you, you, you always wonder what, Colorado does for you offensively I mean is he really a 3510 guy every year or is he actually like a 2288 guy and that makes a difference it does make a difference the home runs not necessarily like like I said with Cano the home, I don't really care how many home runs you hit you can hit four if you hit 325 I don't care you, you can hit zero home runs for all I give a shit you're getting on base that's what matters that doesn't make you a better player because you hit home runs like Barry Bonds Makes you a better player because you get on base like Tony Gwynn. That's what I want to see. Um, you know, Cal Ripken, obviously one of the greats. Grew up idolizing the guy um, growing up in, you know, the D.C. area before the Nats were around. So it was basically, I was a Yankee fan growing up in Birdland. They weren't that good for a while. So, it, you know, you, excuse me, you go to Camden Yards and it's a lot of Yankee fans. So that made it kind of cool for us as a Yankee family to go up there. But, you know, Cal Ripken had his cult following and 
I I am I was a part of that. I that dude was incredible. He was so much fun to watch. Adrian Beltre, so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch on the field, off the field, in the dugout, in the locker room, on in the street, at home. That dude is just entertainment everywhere he goes. And he's the best third baseman I've ever seen. That's my pick at third base is Adrian Beltre. Um, he's just – he makes it look easy, but he also just makes it look so much fun. And not many guys do that nowadays. Uh, not many guys just make it look like fun. Like they're out there having fun. Like they're not doing it because they are getting rich. They don't see it as a job. They don't, you know, it's not like, oh, well, this is my career. Let me get, you know, 10 years in. I make this much money. I set my family up with generational wealth. I got this and that. And then call it a day and I can retire early and live the rest of my life and enjoy everything. No, he's doing this because he absolutely loves it. He played for 20 years because he absolutely loves it. And he was damn good. Damn good. That dude's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, The power, the average, the defense. I mean, that's kind of the theme here. I mean, that's kind of what makes them be, you know, the best player that you've ever seen type of player. But he had it all. He absolutely had it all. And he had the personality, which makes it so much fun. It was so much fun to watch pranking players on the field. I mean, if you ever watched him in Texas down the down the stretch of his career, playing next to Elvis Andrews, and I mean Andrews was you know catching a fly ball in the infield, and Adrian Beltre is over by the foul line, you know, thirty feet away from the play, pretending to make a catch and throwing everybody off. <laughs> I mean, the dude is entertaining. He's funny. The swing coming down on one knee. I mean, the guy's got. He uh, was just so much fun. I, I miss watching him play. I miss it. He's he's a, a national treasure for the game of baseball, so it sucks seeing him not there. That was confusing. It sucks not seeing him there. Sorry for that. That was, I don't know. It's late. I'm tired, but I need to get an episode cranked out, so here I am. Um, shortstop, I mean, it's easy. It's hard to say because to be, if I'm being objective here and not trying to be a homer and pick my guy because he's my favorite player in in New York sports. He's not the best player that I've ever seen at the position. He isn't. I mean, A-Rod was better. That might be the only one that I've seen better at that position. Um but the the heart makes a difference. It absolutely makes a difference, which is what you see Excuse me again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, which is what you saw from Pudge. Why I picked Pudge. I mean, the heart of it. And Yachty. Like, that's what Yachty had. That's what Pedroia had a second. That's what, like, there's guys that that heart takes a minimal amount of talent and turns it into an absolute superstar. Derek Jeter had that mentality. And if I want to quote the late, great Kobe Bryant, that mama mentality, Derek Jeter had the mama mentality. That dude was out there for one reason. He didn't care about the money, didn't care about the fame, didn't care who was standing next to him, who was hitting in front of him, who was hitting behind him, didn't give a fuck. He wanted to win. It's all he wanted to do. He wanted to win. And he did it a lot. And there's a reason for that. You know, there's a reason why he was winning. And A-Rod, who was superior talent-wise, was not winning. There's a reason why. You could say, I don't know, who do you want to say might have been better than him? Back in that day, I mean, there was like the Nomar Garcia Parra, A-Rod, uh, Miguel Tejada, Derek Jeter kind of quartet 
of superstar shortstops. There's a reason why Derek Jeter was the one winning titles. There's a reason why the Yankees were who they were. That dude. That dude was the driving force behind that team, which is why in my last episode when I ranted about it, he should have been unanimous, and it still fucking pisses me off. But that dude had the different mindset, the different mentality, the different drive to win baseball games. And it was, yeah, I could talk about him all day. I did in the last episode. I'm not going to do it again. He was my obvious pick there. Anyway, outfield is kind of difficult. I wasn't sure if I should separate it into positions, if I should just give you my three best, the three best that I've ever seen. I wasn't really sure what to do. So I just came up with the three best because it's kind of hard, especially nowadays guys are bouncing around positions in the outfield. I mean, Christian Yelich plays plays all over the outfield. It's just pointless. Obviously, all right, so I'm going to go 3-2-1 instead of 1-2-3 because, I mean, who wants to go 1-2-3? Three? Uh, three. So this was the hardest. My one and my two were simple, completely simple. Three is pretty difficult. I wasn't really sure where to go. Um, there's so many good outfielders that have played the game of baseball. I mean, it's crazy. Like, cause similar to the pitching, it's just, there's more of them. So it's like, there's just more people that come around. There's more players and you know, it's hard to find who was the best. It really is. I mean, there's just, again, just the fact that you have so many, I mean, you had Andrew Jones was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Adam Jones has had his run. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I don't have the list of the people who I thought about, so I'd have to come up with it again, but it's just, there's so many outfielders. It was hard to pick. So the third one I came up with was Andrew Jones of the Braves. I mean, he, what, what he did at such a young age is becoming more commonplace nowadays. He was the one who kind of started that trend of 19 year olds, making it big in the big leagues, making and making, you know, a stamp on the game and being that middle of the order, being that power guy, being that defender, being the best player on your team at 19 years old. And he did that. The 95 playoff run was, was not all because of him, but that dude was a huge point focal point of that offense. And that defense. I mean, the dude was incredible. He was one of the best defenders I've ever seen. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it was it was hard to come up with that. And I'm actually now that I'm thinking about it, I'm switching it. So let me rewind a little bit here. Um, Andrew Jones was incredible. He was so much fun to watch. But I'm actually gonna drop him to four i'm gonna flip-flop three and four because now that i'm looking at some i'm i have it pulled up online i i want to change that answer okay so number four so i'll I'll pick my top four andrew jones is number four number three ichiro i don't know why i put him behind andrew jones just because i really don't know why to be honest with you um ichiro was is i don't know if he's still playing he's his his whole situation is kind of weird but he was so dominant from day one that if it wasn't for some of these other guys on the list, I mean, it would be a no-brainer. But it's not a no-brainer. Like, he's 
one of the best that I've ever seen, but he's not like standout-ish. You know, he's not Mike Trout. You know what I mean? He's not Albert Pujols. He's not these guys, but he was absolutely incredible. I mean, what he did with his speed and his swing and knowing how to play his own game and not let anybody else dictate what he was doing. I mean, the dude puts on shows, home run derby shows in batting practice, doesn't do it at all in a game because he knows his game. He knows what he's successful at. He knows how to play. Excellent defender, cannon right arm, and, you know, 250 hits a season. Like, he was incredible. He would hit, I mean, he had years where he had 370, 360, 350, 340, winning uh, MVPs, winning uh, gold gloves in ridiculous numbers. I think he won 10 straight from 01 to 11, or 01 to 10. Whatever equals out to 10 years. Um, His first year in the big leagues was 2001. He won rookie of the year and MVP. I mean, he was just ridiculous. Uh, Number two. I'm sticking with the same team. This one, like I said, one and two were easy. After that, it got a little bit more difficult. So number two, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. The guy was, I mean, it speaks for himself. You know, the kid. I mean, it. the speed, the power, the defense, the swag. I mean, the guy had it all. He was just, like, incredible to watch. I mean, one of the best players in the history of the game. All positions, just just one of the best players I ever play. Injuries, think he's another guy similar to Pujols. If he if he stayed healthy his entire career, convinced that he would have threatened a home run record. Absolutely convinced. I mean, he may have been he was kind of running in the same era, a little bit behind Bonds, but not much, like a couple years behind him. So I I think it would have been interesting to see how we kept up with him while they were playing together. But just one of those guys that just. He had it all. I mean, he had the flashy defense. He had the speed. He had power. He had the swagger. He could hit for average. He was just dominant. Just one of those guys that is built differently. Different genetics. They just, we can't relate. People like you and me that sit on a mic and talk in private, we can't relate to it. It's just incredible. And then for the the worst buildup of all, I mean, my number one outfielder is Mike Trout. The guy... The guy is incredible. I personally, I mean, I've seen, like I said, I don't know. I never watched Mickey Mantle. I've never watched Babe Ruth. I've never watched these guys. But listening to, to people, I mean, I don't know anybody that watched Babe Ruth, but listening to people that did watch, I mean, my dad watched Mickey Mantle. My dad watched Millie Mays, Willie Mays, uh, Hank Aaron, like these guys. My dad watched them. When I talk to him about it, it doesn't sound to me they're better than Mike Trout. I mean, this guy legitimately has it all. I mean, he can hit for average. He can hit for power. Steals bases, plays excellent defense, wins MVPs, wins gold gloves, wins silver sluggers, wins all-star game MVPs. He's finished in the top two of MVP voting in five of six seasons. And the other time he finished fourth and he missed like 50 games due to injury. I mean, he's just absolutely incredible. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, he's baseball's, Worst kept secret. I mean, they he doesn't want to be marketed at all. He doesn't want the spotlight. He doesn't want, you know, the Yankee pinstripes. He doesn't want the Dodgers. He doesn't want that fame. He wants he wants to be a kid playing a game for the love of it. I mean, not that he's not making money. I mean, he's signed a four hundred dollar contract, four hundred million dollar contract. I mean, he's the that's going to be the biggest contract for a while. It's not 
that's not your typical uh, who's the who's the big free agent next. You know, in the NFL, who's the next quarterback? Who's the next one? That one's going to get paid more. Not 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 here. That that one's going to last a while. Um, I mean, Bryce Harper signed his three hundred thirty million dollar deal, and then I mean, it wasn't but two weeks, and Mike Trout signed four hundred, and just basically took Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's contract, ate it, shit it out, and just left it in the mud. Uh, but I mean, he deserves it. He's the best player on the planet, best player of the generation. He is the overall best player I've ever seen, and I admittedly have not seen you know the history of players like I'm saying. I haven't seen the people that played back in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. I will fight to the death of me that he's the best player in the history of baseball. Is I mean, they tried to create the stat of war to kind of determine they wanted to make it errorless. They wanted to make a stat that would be able to depict the best player across eras, across generations. He's not at the top now because it's a cumulative stat. It's not something that you just, you know, whatever, you get to a point where you hit a max and it's like, oh, well, I had more this year than anybody else has. No, it's cumulative. So it's going to grow over time exponentially, get to a point where, I mean, he's going to end as, you know, the highest war player in the history of baseball. It's just, I mean, it's, and if he plays for, I mean, he's only 20, what is he, 28, I think, 28, 29, whatever. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's still got a good eight, nine years ahead of him if he, you know, really wants it, really keeps care, care takes care of himself. I mean, he signed a 10 million, a 10, uh, is it 12? Might have been a 12 year deal. So he's got 12 years on his contract. And I mean, if he plays, if he continues at the same trajectory for the next, you know, seven or eight, and then is okay for the last four, he's going to shatter some records. Absolute shatter. I mean, the guy's incredible. He's the best player I've ever seen. So, like I said in the beginning, we're bored. There's nothing to talk about, and I had nothing else to do. So I just kind of sat and looked at all this stuff on Twitter people putting up all kinds of random stuff of their, you know, oh, here's my ideal lineup. Here's my this and that. Here's my, you know, this is the best player to ever play. This is the best player to wear this number, to play this position. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, it's dry right now. So I just thought it was interesting. I figured I'd build out my lineup and hopefully I get a guest on next week so I don't just ramble for no reason. I actually have someone to talk to about something substantial. Hopefully we have some more news about when this is all going to end and when we can go back to our normal lives. I mean, that's what we all want. We just want to watch sports. We really do. I mean, I'm I'm. trust me, there's enough sports on to watch. I mean, we're watching old school shit. I watched the 2003 uh, ALCS Game 7 three times last weekend. Three times. I'm not ashamed of it. I watched it three times. And I watched Tiger Woods a couple times. I'm watching stuff that I know exactly what happens pretty much every every swing, every pitch. Just watching it because there's nothing else to watch. But anyways, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, that's the end of this one. Hopefully we'll be back next – or we will be back, back next week. Hopefully we'll have a guest next week. Um, again, please subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Leave a review. It really does help. Again – 
another again uh views from the nosebleed is my newest podcast with my buddy slash bro-in-law uh aaron uh that one's a lot of fun check it out if you like sports at all if you like i mean it really doesn't even have to be sports i mean we're gonna shoot shit for an hour it could we could talk about anything um we could be talking about ozark tiger king talking about corona we could be talking about fucking uh, anything doesn't matter it'll be a good time uh so go ahead check that one out that one's also available anywhere you get your podcast so subscribe to that one give it a listen hopefully our second episode will be out in the next couple days so you'll have two to listen to leave a review of that one as well and lastly uh subscribe to our youtube channel uh big blue pinstripes podcast um as we get back into the flow of sports that one will be a lot more prevalent with you know news that pops up like like top news to come out you know giants make signings yankees make signings um, once the games come back, I will be doing series previews um, for every series the Yankees play. I will be doing a live stream for the NFL draft uh, since the Giants pick fourth. Um, it'll be you know probably about 30 minutes because I'm basically just going to probably run through the top five uh, on the live stream. And then we'll do the rapid reaction videos for you know the remaining Giants picks. But the top five, I think I'm going to do a live stream uh, just to get that first pick in because it should be a big one. Uh, so that'll be fun. So catch that on YouTube. Uh, again, the Blue, Big Blue Pinstripes podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, review. Thanks again. See you next week.